G'day everyone, it's James Davis down here in APAC for Pax8 Academy again and this time I'm uh, joined by Wim from top left. G'day Wim, how you going? Oh, doing great. It's a good start to the week, feeling good here in up in Canada. Thanks for joining me. I know we've had a lot of conversations in the past and I'm sure a few people that watch and listen to this have seen us and we're flipping roles this time. You interviewed me, now I get to interview you. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to have you. Um, and I've, I'm just going to dive in. I'm going to going to ask you a question. You, know, you, you work in the area around project management and helping MSPs um, be more efficient at that. So, what do you see are the biggest challenges that MSPs face around their their project management and project delivery? There's a lot. There's a whole lot as we've talked about before. A lot of them are lacking leadership on it. So they're like they're they're looking for solutions. Um, but it's, as we've, yeah, a big one I see is just the roles is a typical problem is you get a senior technician is promoted into this project manager role and it's actually not a promotion. It's, it's a huge challenge. And a lot of them sink, they don't swim through that because they're, it's like a career change, different skills, mindset. It's more leadership, it's communication, all that. And they're completely missing that, missing that, missing the flow. Um, the tools are not set up to help them. So that's a huge challenge and, and they're, they're kind of blind. Everyone's doing their best they can and they're plodding along and um, they're paying the bills every month. Um, but these people are struggling. Like the technicians are struggling because they can't be ultimately successful. The manager's not really 100% successful and the companies are leaving probably 20% net profit on the line because they're not managing their projects as well as they could. Again, they may not be in the red, but they're suffering there. And there's yeah, a lot of things that make that up. Yeah. It's huge when you start to quantify it that way. And I guess what are sort of the symptoms that you you see from that sort of lack of lack of leadership and experience and knowledge in that area? Um, well, symptoms um, well, projects are taking longer than they should. The clients having to follow up. Yeah, and a lot of status updates. Where's my project at? A lot of promises got to get made. Expectations reset. You get people overwhelmed, overloaded, like engineers overloaded, overwhelmed, a lot of pressure to get stuff done. Okay, we got to get this done. We got to bill it. We want to build the next milestone. There's the budget they got to watch. Um, people burning out, having to go back to other roles or ultimately leaving because they weren't successful in that role, even though they might have been in the previous one, but they can't go back to the previous one. Um, yeah, leaving money on the table, as I mentioned. The yeah, unnecessary stress. Um, uh, what else comes to mind? Other symptoms, bad data in their PSA. Like I was just on with a client and um, it seems like their PSA is, on the one hand, they would think that the PSA has good data, but when I actually look at it, I'm like, here's your, your Kanban. And um, this is like this engineer, Chris, let's say, he's like, He's supposedly busy, but I'm like on his Kanban within this swim lane, he's only got one ticket there and everything else is in the backlog. There's nothing in his ready column. He's not busy and he's not updating his time and his tickets properly, obviously. So that's, that's a common issue or symptom. I don't know it's, it's not a symptom of project management necessarily, but just a problem in many MSBs in the, across this industry is just time entry, keeping your stuff up to date. And that's because accountability is not there. The, the visualization is not there. It's not easy to do. 
apart from maybe the um, the sort of senior engineer that gets hoisted into project management role, why why do you think that why do you think that is the standard culture in a lot of MSPs that their project people don't have that sort of basic hygiene? Well, they they put the senior tech into project management because um, they feel that they need somebody knowledgeable about the, about the technology itself to be able to have the conversations and manage it. Uh, they need to be the expert, the guru. So they, they get promoted into that or there's just a de facto, they're using a senior engineer to self-manage their own projects, uh, but missing the methodology of project management of what's your whole end-to-end -end flow? Um, what's the what's the big, what's the bigger picture of the portfolios? Like they don't, they don't even think like that. So they're thinking in the wrong terms. So flipping it a bit, we're talking about the challenges and I, I've, I've seen a lot of that too, obviously, and it's a pretty common area of um, difficulty for most MSPs. What are, you, what are you seeing for MSPs that do this successfully? What have they, what have they got in place that, that does make it run smoothly and not leaving money on the table, et cetera? What's the whole end-to-end -end vision of how it's marketed, how it's sold, selling it the right way? This is how we're going to communicate. This is how we're going to collaborate. These are the milestones. These are, these are the things we expect the client, you, Mr. Client, to do. These are the impact when you don't get that to us on time. And how do we kick off a project? How do we transition from sales to project delivery? How do we kick it off? Um, what order are these things done in? How's it delivered? How's it completed? How's the quality happening all the way? How's the billing happening? There, it's not left to chance. There's nothing ad hoc. It's all planned. It's all templated out. And as a result, it moves super fast through the system. And the good ones are learning um, a key skill, which is reducing the number of projects in play. The fewer you can do, um, the higher velocity you get. It's just like higher PSI on that garden hose. Um, but just increase the, the speed going through it. Um, increasing the speed of the cars on the highway. That's not necessarily adding more lanes on the highway because you, you run out of real estate pretty soon on that, but how do we increase the flow? What's slowing it down? Maybe we take out these stoplights and put in a roundabout, but keep it keep it going. Um, and the, the clients who are doing this, like I've had them on my podcast and they do do testimonials and such, and they're like, our client, we're like we're getting back to our clients so fast on both service and projects that they're like, please slow down, we can't keep up. Or just say, we're, we're, we're gonna give you this project, not because that you've, you've done it before, um, cause we've got another vendor who's done it before and they're skilled, but we know you're fast and you're going to figure it out and you're not going to screw it up. So we know you'll figure it out and deliver it less time. And it's predictable because you set that expectation before and delivered on it. And that's right. just all because there's a, there's a machine that does that. And it's very simple. Just visualizing the work, do fewer things at once, do one thing at a time and on to the next. Which I suppose is hard for most MSPs when they've got this big backlog. They've got people that don't think holistically, and their PSA isn't necessarily showing them the whole picture because of bad hygiene. Like you just outlined before, the having that sort of end-to-end -end process outlaid from sales to billing and everything in between. Um, it's, a, it's a lot of work to get that in place, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, it can take a few years to build that out. Um, I think it starts with having a vision for it that that pro pro project should not be a loss leader. It's not just to support the MRR, but it's uh, it's got to be a healthy part of the business.
and they're not bad. Like I know some MSPs are just scared to do it. They're like, oh, we want to get 60, 70, 80% of our revenue should be recurring and that's where we make our good money and that's the valuation and all that. I'm like, okay, that's definitely you want the healthy recurring revenue, um, but don't let the projects be a loss leader, especially when it's 40% of the business. Like, yeah, I've just been there where we've had these projects that drag on way out much longer than I ever estimated. Like my, my, the, the worst one was when I estimated at 200 hours and it took 800 and impacted other clients. We lost clients and almost went bankrupt over it. So that's, that's kind of why I got into this whole business of visualizing the work and Kanban methods. It's critical, isn't it? Like, I, I, I agree. There's this sort of pervasive thought pattern in the industry that you, you need to need to have a super high percentage of your revenue as um, recur recurring, but being an MSP TSP, you're always going to have projects. They're not, they're not a bad thing and they should, they should be the cream on top. Um, yep. both ways. Um, what, what do you see as, um, sort of best practice, um, project department profitability percentages from your experience? Profitability on it? Well, you, you'd want to hit that similar gross margin that you would on managed services, like that 60 to 70% gross margin. It's the whole three times multiple of your, what you're paying your engineers. Yeah. I'm trying to think of how to quantify that in a way that works for global audience. Um, <laughs> But if that's all you're doing, like you should be running 20 to 30% net profit. And, and what you've just said before around like the process driven and the, from the sales to billing, that's how you're going to achieve that repeatable um, gross margins from the start. But I guess from your perspective, how do you manage that in between um, actually the actual delivery side more successfully? Delivery is, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, having the engineers, good engineers, is still still a very important part of that, or they know the technology they can communicate really well. So we've seen we've hired people who are good at the technology and they can't communicate or write the emails and talk. Um, having that communication, having the right project set up in your PSA, whether it's ConnectWise or Autotask, and having that right structure, work breakdown structure, having templates really helps for that. So everyone's doing it the same way. The engineers will know where to look. Nothing gets missed. Your admin people who are helping with procurement and coordination that they know where to look, put their time in, where the hardware is and how to bill it. Um, all those things got to be in place. You can, you can lose a client over just messing up the billing and communicating on that. I was going to back you up on the communication thing. I've seen some very terrible technical teams that have awesome communication. The clients love them. And then the flip side, awesome technical teams with really poor communication and that's the worst experience ever for the clients. Um, so that, that sort of um, balance in the team is quite important that we're communicating and we've got those skills. And I think a lot of MSPs are struggling to hire in that, those high level project um, techs because they don't have the processes. So they're relying on these sort of unicorns to deliver it to your point. Like they're getting yeah. pushed up to project leads and management. And they don't even have those skills. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking of individuals and in some of my teams and other clients is like, yeah, they're good on service work and they can do senior work. They can troubleshoot. They can do a lot of things, but we can't let them manage a client 
like manage a migration, like they need somebody else to fill that in and kind of bite size say, hey, here's specifically what you need to do, spell it all out. Because some, some technicians are just not that detail oriented. So they look at a ticket and they, they go through it, they do a bunch of work on it, the market is completed and they're like, hey, no, you missed, there was a list of like five items and you did two of them. Because they get all excited and they, hey, I did one and two and I spent the time on it and market is done. But then they go back and circle back, did I actually do everything that was requested and documented in this ticket or the project? Um, so the good value, it's like we wouldn't um, manage them out of the organization. We wouldn't let them go, but they wouldn't be a fit for the project team. So it's, we look at that. Like there's a whole growth path to be in the project team. It's not just the, yeah, you got to have the skills and there's got to be mentorship, mentorship going on there. Um, so what are the what are the sort of skills and qualities you look for in a in a project tech? A lot of the projects are unique. That's a challenge in the industry, or I don't know for for many of us, I would think is very few projects. Two projects are the same. So yeah, because it's the I, yeah, it's not like we do Office three sixty five migrations every day, every week, and it's the same thing, rinse and repeat. Because most people are on three sixty five already. Um. But yeah, there's more SharePoint migrations. There's more yeah, a lot of unique things that we don't do a whole lot. Um, so the engineers got to be they got to think like a consultant, think bigger picture, map it out. Where are they coming from? Where are they going to? What are the best practices? What's the best way to do that? Let's be on the same page as a team. Communicate that well, because um, there is no there's no real SOP on it. It's like we haven't really done it before, or the last time we did it was like two years ago, or a year ago. And does that really apply? Um, so yeah, we want we want to have processes for projects, but sometimes it's got to be a more generic thing um, where people are forced to talk and put the, the project plan together and communicate it well to the client. Because it's just a lot of unique things going on. Yeah, I, I see that too. I don't know. We've had we've had these sort of conversations in the past where it's a lot less lift and shift, and it's becoming a lot more of that digital transformation type project yeah and, and what i'm prob what i'm seeing is a lot more um partner to partner plays where the msps are realizing we don't have say as your skills so let's find a partner that can do those sort of projects for us and try and get around some of these these problems so rather than let's just assume they're running at that sort of 60 percent profitability range rather than getting taking on all the risk and the burden of doing that they just they just um coordinate with the partner and be the liaison with the client and then take the 20, 30% um, profitability instead, trying to carry all the, the resources and the sort of unicorn techs in some way, and yeah. get repeatability that way. Um, uh, I'm curious as you, as you're talking through some of this, um, I'll ask you the next sort of thing around that leadership in charge of the project department what do you see working um, successfully for different um, uh, MSPs that have got someone in charge of the department? We've spoken about the project techs that get shunted into it and they're not really suited for it. Who usually are suited for that type of role in the in the average MSP? What I'm seeing, again, I don't talk to every single client and really map that out. Um, the clients are at so many scales in top left. Some it's like they got a project team of three people and they're kind of self-managing or they got a senior tech who's doing it and 
with the help of Top Left, um, they do quite well. And then other ones, they got, they might have 20 project managers and they got a senior PM looking over the whole portfolio. Um, so as they get larger, you're going to get somebody, or either they've got like 20, 30, 40 years of experience, or they've really been just officially trained in project management. And they might have come from another industry or a larger technology player. And now they're coming down into this the smaller MSP play. Like mo most MSPs are sub 10, 20 million. But if you come from an environment where you're million or you're managing like a hundred million dollar projects, that's a whole other scale. So those so, so some MSPs are, are hiring that sort of talent to say, hey, we, we need serious help now. We're doing a lot of projects. That's that's by bringing a big gun. And so they've got the skills. Um, but then the tools in this industry in this industry are suffering. So what's the built-in PSA? functionality is not really setting them up to succeed. They're like, it's a list of data. There's no visual. I can't see my portfolio. I got to drill in. It's a lot of clicking. I got to export to Excel. Um, or maybe perhaps they have learned some of the lean agile methods from working in a software development team using Jira or other tools like that ServiceNow perhaps. Um, and they're like, I don't have it in this, this smaller MSP space. Um, and there are, and the industry doesn't isn't really aware of those methods of running your daily huddles. A lot of MSPs are not doing that today. They don't get the importance of that and the power of doing it. Um, so yeah, these MSPs come yeah come from I guess there's sort of two or three buckets like that. They're they're promoted and trying to figure it out as they go. Uh, nobody's got time to go and study PM. Like I've I've done the the PMP course, like uh, PMI Project Management Institute Agile Certified Practitioner. And I've mentioned in newsletters and different things and, and brought it up on, on webinars, but I think only one other client has done it. And it's not like it's that much time. Like, was it 50 hours or something? I think it was less than 50 hours to get it, but it's, it's people's job and they don't do the training on it is my point. And that uh, probably comes back to what you're saying before. It's the career shift and they don't, a lot of those project techs don't see the value in that type of bureaucracy and that structure because probably as an industry we haven't we haven't really valued that kind of training and certification either because we've just promoted promoted based on experience and yeah. it's that natural transition from oh you do the help desk for a while and then we step you up and project project lens like the glory glory part of our business and i think we're just going to your point earlier we're just putting the wrong people in the in the department and setting them up for failure a lot of the time. Yeah. So something we're doing now internally in our MSP is just being careful with that new manager promotion is not just dropping them into the, the deep end and letting them swim, but start with a lower title, um, smaller scope of responsibility, or even before we do that, it's like, let's give you some opportunities to try this out as, as let's say, as a technician is just a little bit more responsibility on some project saying, Hey, let's let you handle this kickoff call. You plan it out. What would you present? Present it to me and then present it to the client. And just a bit of mentorship before saying, okay, let's put you into a project coordination or an assistant project manager role is make it a two year plan. It doesn't have to be just one week. We're going to write a letter and a promote and give you another 10 grand. And now you're the project manager. Um, but give them a training plan. Cause there's other things that come in. If you're, the PM would typically be the manager of that team as well, like doing one-on-one -on -one check-ins, performance reviews. There's a lot of other things going on that nobody gets trained on either. Like we don't get it when we go do your four-year bachelor's degree, you don't get the people management 
scales at all. Mm. So we're giving that to our team and even looking at rolling that out as a top left offering as well as new manager training is looking at some of the employment standards, the hiring, the team management running. I mean, there's a lot that comes into soft skills, people management. Um, how, how do you have a coaching conversation with an engineer? Uh, and then, yeah, all the, some of the Kanban agile tools as well. So I think that would be, I think it fills a big gap in the market to, to do that. We need it, we need it internally and we can, we can partner with a good trainer to deliver, deliver a lot of this content. Um, but people want a workshop to work through it, think it through it, um, go back and implement. Um, just reading a book, like very few people can implement that. They need to work together, some accountability, some homework, talk through what's going on, reflect, implement. Uh, one of our one of our courses, we deliver for instructor-led trainings around the introduction to um, managing project delivery, and it's one of our most popular ones because there, there's not really much help out there for MSP project managers, um, and and we're not most MSPs are never going to hire a a career project manager, which is very different to someone that's just managing the delivery um, compared to like what you were discussing around managing a portfolio of multiple projects on the go it's very different skill set and, and mindset um, and, and you, you mentioned a role there that we hadn't touched on before the project coordinator what's sort of the difference between a project coordinator and a project manager coordinator would be more looking at perhaps less on communication perhaps less technical. Think of the equivalent like a service coordinator in your service team. Like they're not the service manager, they're the service coordinator. And in smaller teams, like you may not even need a project manager. Like if you've got a, a good, like if you have a technician who can, an engineer who can communicate well with clients, they're good that way, um, verbally and written, and they can write proposals and kind of like they're, they're your sales engineer, they're your senior project engineer, is they may not, may not need a project manager, they just need a coordinator to help with scheduling tickets, making sure stuff is assigned, moving forward, bringing up issues in the huddle, if stuff is blocked, asking technicians to put in their time, just kind of these, this data hygiene, keeping the PSA clean. They can communicate with the client, asking them, hey, where's this at? We need this from you. Engineer Bob asked you about this last week, or did you get a chance to do this? And provide a very powerful support position there because I don't think we, we've talked about that previously is when do you need a 100% full-time project manager? It, it may be further out. You might be at like 4 million revenue. It might not be when you're just a half million or a million of revenue. Mm. Um, so kind of, and what a lot of people they call themselves a project manager. They're really just a coordinator. Um, so I haven't dived a whole lot into that, but that's something yeah, it's just as we've talked about in the last year that that came up. So, you you've mentioned the the daily huddles uh, a few times now for to managing managing success. What does that actually look like? It's really simple. It's um, this is this came out of it's like Kanban. It came out of Japan with all the the lean thinking, theory of constraints, all of these things, like 40, 50 years ago. And it's the of doing a daily huddle. So this would happen on the, happens on the shop shop floor in thousands of businesses around the world in hospitals actually i've been at the local grocery store and i see them doing like a daily huddle 
and they almost kind of like shut down the not they don't quite totally shut down the store you can still check out but i could see them doing like a 10 minute huddle like hey this is great so basically it's getting together you share you might share, share some wins from the last day um you're stuck so everyone goes around they share your winning what, what you're working on the number one focus today what are you stuck on do you need help from anybody else and that's about it and you go around it's really quick and it's not about solving issues it's just identifying what's neglected what needs some love who needs some help and then you after after the, the huddle you can connect and go go one-on-one -on -one if you need to um it's a very and it really helps to pick up the pace on things so things are not waiting an extra day or two or five because somebody's spending too much time or they're spinning their wheels they can get the help and everyone's there the managers the boss everyone's in that meeting um get a lot of eyes on it um so it's great accountability too because if you say hey this is my number one thing today and tomorrow it's the same thing we go oh, what happened um and but a lot of things it's a simple practice we call it a ceremony and but it, it forces, it's like going to a chiropractor, just from adjusting somebody's neck, you straighten out your whole body, right? Because it goes all the way down your backbone. And that, that, I think that happens a lot with the, the huddle as well, is, or daily stand-up, is it forces you to have good data, your time is entered, your, your tickets are up to date, the notes are there, uh, operating with all those parameters that the team has agreed to, to honor, coming prepared. Um, so I obviously talked to many hundreds of MSPs and the problem is not so much that they need another tool. It's like they're not using the one they got, like the data is not there. So if you actually use it the way it was maybe even set up previously, they were, but they've slipped. Just use it. And this, this highlights that um, with the huddle and then having the right visual. I think that the Kanban format works really well for that because it's all in one, one screen or easy to scroll through. So you're not having to go through 10 different reports. It's not a table, it's not an Excel file, very visual. And the things that matter are popping out. Things that didn't have time entered, that are sitting too long, were not responded to. So that, that daily huddle, very powerful. We've got, it's actually one of the top blog posts on the website that I wrote like five years ago. And you'll see a picture of us around in our, well, in our previous office, um, our previous, previous office, because we've now moved like twice since then, but we had a, a big like 65 inch LCD screen on the wall and looking at the Kanban board. Um, so it's one of our top blog posts still, is that. Um, and it's huge in software development. They all do it, Scrum. They do a daily huddle, uh, making sure stuff is unblocked, what developers need to pair up and go sort stuff out. Happens in marketing teams. Yeah, all over it. So we do it in all of our companies, all of our teams. Finance team does their daily huddle, ops team. Each of the MSPs has their own huddle going. Um, they, they really wouldn't miss it. Um, Why do you think most MSPs don't, don't do something as simple as what you described? <laughs> Very good question. Again, just before we started recording this, recording this podcast, I was talking with a client who hasn't been doing it. And I'm like, if you would do this, this would transform how you're doing. Because again, they're, they're like, we're not really making that much money on project. He said that with like 20, 15 project engineers. He's like, yeah, we pay the guys a lot of money and there's not, not really that much profit left over. I'm like, if you did this, it would completely change it. And I think it's the, um, from what he shared, it's the, they need the courage to basically mandate it. This is what we're going to do. Set a channel, Ray, we're going to do this. This is the way it's done. We're doing daily huddles. Here's the reasons. 
from we've talked with other companies, we've talked to Top Left, we've talked, we read the books, and we got to be doing it. So just bear with us. Let's go through it. Um, and at the first bunch, you're going to take longer because your data is not good. But as you go through it, you improve your data, you improve how you lay out your visualization, so you see what matters in that huddle. You're not having to search for it and dig into it. Um, so I think one, it's just that courage. They don't know that it's a good practice, so it's a bit of ignorance. And then two is the courage to actually do it. And then the consistency, because if you're starting at different times and you're missing it and you lose all the momentum, it's got to be same time, same place every day. So I remember like pre COVID, we would do it at 9.29 AM, not 9.30, but 9.29 because it, otherwise people around it, right? And they're getting their coffee and, and they're showing up two, five minutes late. We want people, we got to be impeccable on when it, that, that it's happening and the start time and not letting it run over. Even doing a hard stop saying, okay, there was eight people here and we only got through six because Mary was talking too much. So tomorrow we'll try better. Yeah, just, we've been doing these for 10 years, daily huddles. So it's just what we do. Um, I, I like how you mentioned their courage a few times uh, we, and we've spoken quite a bit about like the the you know, the glory of having the project techs and we need we feel like we need to have this unique skills there to deliver projects and i think what you touched on there with courage is a lot of this hygiene we're too afraid to lose the techs instead of driving through that process and behavior that actually gets the the, the projects delivered and we've let a lot of bad behavior slip because we think they're doing all these great results. Um, and if they're not really profitable and we're not really, we've got a huge backlog of projects The like from my experience is the data doesn't actually usually line up to what the perceived reality is because they're not doing the behavior. Like you said, of looking at the data da daily and what's the progress and how, how profitable are we? And, and, not driving simple things like time entry to give us even give us the data what's going on and i think um i'm sure i'd be curious to hear from your perspective is one of the things that you hear a lot from from project teams that they're super busy they've got no time to to do anything is that a is that a common thing you hear i don't hear that anymore um Um, used to be, but then we're like, no, it's part of doing the job. Like, I've made that clear for many years that part of doing the ticket is putting your notes in and your time as part of doing the work. Um, and I, I, I've seen that people, even the most busy, they, they can still be really good at their time sheets. So it's more of a personality thing. But I, I do see that some people, um, Sometimes it's just, I was just thinking of one individual is very good with the work he does. It's good quality clients, love him on site, on the phone, email, he does good work, but he's, it's kind of like borderline spectrum kind of thing of, um, autism. So it gets very involved with his work and then it's just the time stuff falls by the wayside. So what we ended up doing is having the service coordinator spend like twice a day with him and, um, help him get caught up with tickets, hand it off to the other teams. Cause he, all the, he would be like Velcro, all the tickets would be stuck to him because he's helping the next customer, the phone rings and he would grab it. So we ended up, so we ended up rewriting the phone calls, kind of putting a um, ring fence him a little bit, protect him. So he's not taking on too much work and then getting together with him two or three times a day to help him update the time and just be there. 
So sometimes it takes a bit of a one-on-one -on -one approach. Um, but yeah, we, we create dashboards and metrics. We use Grafana for dashboards. It's like a bright gauge, which is a bit more flexible. And so we, the technicians can see that their time going in against the rest of the team. They can see, because we've got targets across the service team and the project team for the month. Um, and obviously, if they're not entering the time, that messes up the utilization and all of that. So that's very visible on LCD screens in the office, or now they're all remote, but they can, they can very easily see that. They look at that in their huddles as well. How are we doing on the metrics? Keeping that visible. So it's not hidden until the end of the month. So getting on it every day, this coordinator is watching it. So we have a lot of checks and balances to help with that time entry and then making it easy. So through top left, they grab the ticket, work it, put their notes in, done, all from top left. It's a lot of, a lot of options, um, but yeah, we'll keep on it. Uh, lots of training. You sparked me with the mentioning Grafana and, and, and metrics. What, what would be some of your t top key metrics that you'd look at to measure success of projects? I would look at the, well, profit is always one. Um, we're, I've set higher goals on the hourly rate. Um, so is the client happy? Which is sometimes a bit hard to measure as a metric. Client's got to be happy throughout the project. Um, so I'm kind of struggling a little bit with that one. Um, but from a, my, as an MSP owner, yeah, it's the profitability. And it depends on the type of project. So if we look at in Crafty Penguins, which is our Linux MSP, is we do a lot of these discovery projects or paid projects for potential clients. They come in that way, analyze their stuff, give them a, a detailed report on what we find. That could be 20, 30, 50, I don't know, up to 80 hours on that. And we're looking at how many of those convert to recurring revenue. And right now we're sitting like 70 or 80% of those convert to recurring revenue. So we're kind of looking at that is, okay. it's basically a pay, paid sales engagement. We, we can't give that time away. So we're, and we're profitable on that. Um, so yeah, looking at, are we on track with the budget for that? And are they converting to a recurring client? So kind of a re re repeat business out of that. Uh, but I would say that's a key one is based on this project, the experience, the client's experience on this project, would they do more projects with us? So I think that's a key one for, that's a marketing budget is customer service project excellence and how they feel through it. How are they communicated? Was it done in the budget and the timelines we gave? No surprises. Nobody wants surprises with downtime or interruptions or all sorts of things. Uh, and that, that earns referrals and repeat business. And I've just seen so many times, the quicker we get a project done, the quicker they give us more. Because if we have a list of projects that we want to do for them, like a backlog we've talked about, but I've seen time and time again, they have their own internal list of projects. They haven't even brought up with us until we get the current stuff on deck done. Um, that makes sense, doesn't it? It's, it's the, um, it, it's a trust-based thing over and over and over again. Yeah, the more that you yeah. do it well, the more that they will they will buy into whatever you're giving them, or they will engage more with you because they trust what you're doing. I think it's a that's an awesome point. I know we could talk about projects all day. We're coming up to wrap up time. We've covered a lot of different um, little conversational pieces through this session, uh, and I guess I'd like you to reflect and. What would you like people that have been listening to this? What, what do you think the biggest takeaway, if you're going to give them anything to, to walk away in action from, from this, from this session, what would you, what would you want people to take away? 
Well, I guess there's there's data and there's tools and there's people and mindsets. So like the simple one is is tools like keeping your data in your PSA. Yeah, there's all other great tools like Monday.com and Asana and all that, but you're creating silos, not necessarily solving the problem. So keep your data in the right place. You use the right tools for the job. There's the process of managing these projects. There's the people. Uh, having the right people in the right seats, being really clear on that is what is your account manager doing versus a project coordinator versus your engineers, etc. But perhaps number the, the number one would be the mindset, the methodology. How are we looking at how we do work and always thinking about that? How do we improve how we do the work as part of doing the work? And yeah, some of these historical methods don't work so well and trial and error doesn't work so well. There's great models to follow. Um, so we got to work on our own mindset and then influencing, convincing, or perhaps challenging and just deciding for other people to, to follow with that, to say, trust me, um, this is my role to make this decision as the project manager or the operations manager. And we're going to go with doing daily huddles, visualizing our work. We're going to minimize the, the work in progress. Um, so yeah, immerse yourself into these things. Like the obviously, there's two books we always recommend. There's the Phoenix Project, where I'm a whole novel with characters around uh, IT and DevOps, um, and it teaches a lot of these methods, theories of the constraints. So highly recommend that one. Um, MSPs brought that to my attention like seven, eight years ago, and I've been a big fan of that book and the Phoenix Project. And the second one is Making Work Visible by Dominica de Grande, and to so the second edition of Out of that is out. Um, she's got a lot of resources on her website as well, podcasts she's done and videos, and she's got a whole course around that. And that's how do you visualize your work? Um, which could be how do you hand off from sales to to delivery, from completed ticket reviews, how do you manage your backlogs, how do you run your daily meetings? Um, a lot of visuals there. And some of them are very simple. You're like, wow, this is obvious, this would be very handy. And so the book is visual, lots of examples and stories, how to do that, doing your daily huddles, all of that. So yeah, it's just the mindset and um, investing into that because that's where I see where clients that are successful is they read the books, they did the work and they changed how they think. Sometimes they already had done, started that journey before they reached out to us and sometimes afterwards because we, we send them the book and they read it and like, oh wow, this is actually good and they buy it for their team. So it's yeah, two, mindset over tools and you don't need fancy tools. I think there's some great advice there and I've seen seen people when they have changed their mindset and put in place what you've been talking about today, the profitability and the, the dramatic change in the business is, is amazing. You can go from barely profitable to a high performer with very, very happy clients with these sort of changes and it all comes down to that mindset, like you said. So. Uh, this has been a great session. I hope it's um, helped the people listening along today and, and seeing us chat. And hopefully I'll get you back on again in the future, Wim. So thanks so much for joining me. Absolutely. It's been a ple pleasure. I enjoyed it, James. So until next time. Thanks, mate.